Hey everyone, my name is Luke Wyatt, and you're listening to The Vote Podcast. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth upon this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. I have a dream. There is not a black America and a white America and Latino America and Asian America. There's the United States of America. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. I can hear you. I can hear you. The rest of the world hears you. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Read my lips. And that's about all I hope to say not because they are easy, but because they are hard. The best is yet to come. May God bless you all. May God protect our troops. That the nation shall have a new birth of freedom. And the government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. report. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Luke Wyatt and this is the Vote Podcast. On today's episode of the Vote Podcast, we have our foreign policy and domestic defense and intelligence analyst on. Dr. Pete is on today to talk about the China balloons and also we talked about the threat that China possesses toward the United States. But on this podcast, there's so much that we have talked about. It is a jam-packed episode. Mentioning the topics such as Ukraine, Russia, ballistic missile, Putin, things that will divide our country, external forces, what these balloons mean, and what we know China caught on these surveillance balloons, and also what was tested when these balloons came over our land. So ladies and gentlemen, sit back, relax, and listen to a jam-packed episode of The Vote Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our first special report. Thank you so much for listening, and without further ado, let's get started with the show. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here with Special Agent Dr. Pete. Dr. Pete, thank you so much for coming on today for the Vote Podcast. I know we had on had you on last year where we talked a lot about Russia. We talked about Ukraine a bunch and a little bit about you as well. But now it seems like it's gotten a lot more serious when it comes to foreign affairs, when it comes to military strategies and everything along those lines. So what I want to talk to you today is I'm, this first question I just want to ask you simply, straight, and just kind of shoot you straight. Last year, we talked a lot about Ukraine and we talked a lot about Russia, but today all eyes are on China. And especially when China sent the balloons over, uh, what's China's doing over there uh, in their country? But I just want to simply ask you, do you think China is more of a threat than it is today, than it was one year ago? And if that's the case, why do you think China's more of a threat? Well, I appreciate you having me on the show. I always like to say I'm retired, so I don't want to make, you know, it's it's better to be retired agent versus an active agent. And I jokingly yeah. say that. But uh, talking about the the issue of Chicom, I refer to China communists as Chicom. I don't refer to it as China. So I just make that point is that we look at 
you're talking about the danger of China compared to like from today, from yesterday to whatever. So you have to kind of look at a longer history, even past a year. You have to really go back into uh, I just was on a book, Soviet policy in the 19 um, right around 1918, 1917, where they had the Soviet Revolution, October Revolution. And it talks in parts about China. Well, not at that time, it was China, but uh, later went to Chicom. And you look at it from a, a long standpoint, you know, you go from a very regional power and at best could maintain itself. And then over time, it developed into uh, a stronger and stronger power. A lot of that is because there's like, um, uh, if you will, a split, or it's like almost like a split personality, one side of communist China, and there's very authoritarian and uh, the nail that sticks up gets hammered down the orwell you know it's everything communistic right and then there's this capitalistic side and they do what i would say is old school capitalist like you know um, capitalism which is human cost factors environment do not matter it what matters is do we get money so instead of wealthy industrialists are the robber barons if you will in america that we talk about and hate so much um uh, it's funny because chicom's government is that they're just one big robber baron right yeah, so yeah. it's kind of a split so you look at how they progressed over the years and they do play the long game I meaning america tends to work on two four and six years right due to election cycles and like that and so we do look at the long game uh the short game more than the long game and uh and we hope that all these nice short steps you know lead to larger and better goals right but china does they don't really look at the short term they look look entirely at the long term so they and that's just the way their society is that's not a communistic feature it's a society feature it's a cultural it deals with the religions that were there at the time and you know you can go all deep into that if you want but when you look at going forward they're starting to um to flex that muscle in a lot of ways and they, they and they can see this as their time or not and that dictates on their kind of like their proliferal or their if you will their vanguard or their top leadership and so it's very hard to kind of gauge where exactly and when exactly they're going to do things. But we do know that they've been preparing steadily over the um, over the decades, especially when Nixon opened things up that got them more funding, more money, more capitalism, more access. And so, you know, every year that goes by, uh, danger can be defined differently. Like, yes, do they have a, a more robust robust military? Well, yeah, and in a lot of ways they do and they have more technology and they spend uh, substantial amounts of money and i'm not going to go rattle off a bunch of numbers because anyone can go google that themselves i don't really have time for that but they they obviously have increased those things which would make them a, a bigger threat militarily but the issue then becomes is what are the decisions they're making like say with um, hong kong and regional areas and and now that Russia has demonstrated it's incredibly weak in Ukraine and they're starting to pull up almost, I think it was someone said 90, 95 percent of their forces in that area. Yeah. Well, that leaves the whole eastern side of Russia pretty empty. Right. Mm -hmm. So and Chicom has a very strong standing arm. They're a very strong regional power. They don't really have global power, meaning they can't really they're not a superpower in the sense of projecting world power. Uh, the U.S. is really the only country that can project world power on that level and sustain it. Uh, Russia, Soviet Russia used to be one. So they were a dual, like a dual superpower. So now we have a unipolar or uni type superpower. And that's a, it's a hard place to be because you get attacked from all different sides. Chicom being more of a, if you will, 
obviously local regional, they have a lot of power they can project. They can, if they wanted to, they could run Asia. I mean, they could literally roll over every country and there'd be little anyone could do to stop them. That would be a true world response to that. So if you look at it, why they might be more dangerous today is, in my opinion, would be is their objectives. If they start wanting to take over territories or economics or Maybe they start looking at, hey, we're going to test some advanced technologies and we have to know if we ever did get in a flight. This is they might be in testing mode. They might be in expansion mode. Uh, they also have a lot of problems with health, right? Healthcare. They don't really have good health care. Um, that's why you see COVID and all these different things. Uh, a lot of wild diseases come from there. Right. Um, and so you see all these things and they don't have a good infrastructure. Their capitalism, if you want to call it that. Um, or communist capitalism, we could we could start that term up. We'll coin it communism, uh, ca- uh, communist capitalism, right? Yeah. Uh, and so that that could be something like maybe it's kind of starting to sputter, right? And if it starts sputtering, they don't get that income from the outside. They they're not generating enough inside, right? So mm-hmm. now we got now they got a problem. Now they become a threat, right? Because now they're looking for more resources, expansion, and maybe not territory, but maybe wealth. So in those terms, we have to start looking at the perspective, are they a threat economically more because of that or because they want more or they need more? Are they socially you know, saying, hey, look, we want to start spreading the values of CHICOM throughout the world? That could be a, because Russia did that quite a bit. And then, of course, you go into the whole military thing. They, they do have more military, stronger military than it did. Having said that, the technology is really what's driving a lot of it. And so... You know, all those things do add up, but political scientists almost notoriously have a blind spot when it comes to instability, right? They can they can sit there and argue all day long why something's going to be stable and it fails or vice versa. And military people can tell you every scenario in the world you want to know. So if someone says, hey, what's Chicom going to do next year? I don't know. I'm, I probably don't know any more than you, but I can tell you this is what's possible and this is what you can prepare for. And you have to find that balance, right? And and yeah. you just have to be ready. A big stick, talk soft, big stick, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that's kind of where that's at with Chicom. And I know you have a you hate the communists, like it's it's communism, and it's a book by uh, what's the author's name? It's the Black Book of Communism. It's a great book. It goes into how communism is the deadliest form of government in the world. And if people want to argue that, I'd be more than happy to have them read the book. So yeah. We can have an episode where we just talk about that aspect of it. Oh, I, but, I can go all day long on that topic. Just anytime you want to do the Communist Chronicles, I am right there with you. So, All right. Well, we'll, we'll schedule that and we'll get that going. Also, I want to ask you, with your experience, you know, you, like you said, you're a retired special agent. But one thing I want to ask you is that what you mentioned in your previous statement, what you just said, is that Russia is moving more of its forces, more of its people. I think it said like 500,000 men, like all these tanks to Ukraine which leaves a lot of people on the eastern side of uh, Russia, where China is kind of, I wouldn't say vulnerable, but we don't really know what's over there. But that makes me question, what is our special, what is our intelligence community and defense community doing? Like since these China balloons came over, since China's kind of revamping, like you said, like their kind of economy, their military and growing, are we looking more over in uh, the China, uh, in China? Are we looking more at a, because they do have a lot of spread in Africa as well. So China is spreading a lot of its influence into Africa. Are we, is the intelligence defense community also looking there as well? 
And so what are the intelligence community doing after these China balloons just came over the United States? And what are they looking at particularly? I know they're focusing heavily on Ukraine and Russia. I mean, even today, President Biden went over to meet President Zelensky today. And I didn't even know that was happening. But a lot of people are focusing on Russia and Ukraine. But does that mean that our intelligence community is ignoring China? Or do you think China is still like heavily on the intelligence radar? Well, you have to I I would address this in two points. Do I think these I you're kind of getting to the point, but not. Okay, so you have uh, the issue of Hong Kong and all the Asian you know, issues and country there. And then you have the issue with Ukraine. And I would call these distracting events, right? So these distracting events would obviously put more resources, counterintelligence or intelligence-wise into these areas. Uh, there's only so much, right? Yeah. There's only so many analysts. There's only so many people looking and they have to shift resources like anyone else. Having said that, you know, there's uh, there's always hot spots. Tricom's always being watched as much as they watch us. We watch them. Um, so the SIGNET meaning signal intelligence and HUMNET, human intelligence, all those things are still moving because human intelligence doesn't just disappear. It's not like you can say, hey, pull that guy back from Tricom and move him over to Russia. It doesn't work that way. And uh, but now SIGNET can you can move like signal or any type of information intelligence. You can shift those rather easily. And I would suggest that Ukraine, obviously, that's shifted some some uh, resources there. And and that does kind of limit that. Having said that, there's not a huge internal like is TRICOM moving large amounts of troops and missiles and batteries and, you know, units. That's not really going on. So. The intelligence community, if it's doing what it normally does, is they're they're keeping tabs on things. They have specific, dedicated analysts and uh, and and resources that are looking at the major threat areas. They have people looking at England and Germany and Europe and you know Africa. They got some analysts that do that, you know, and they have satellites that do all that. And so there's always always uh, the lower the threat, the lower the uh, resources and the uh, and people personnel and obviously the less time we put into those things like antarctica you know we don't go you know blowing satellite time over that all the time and a bunch of analysts it's just not worth it but we do look at it because what if someone decided to park a base there and we were like whoa wait a second what's going on with that you know so we we always watch like you know a light way so when it comes to this with um with uh our national security people, they're, they're looking at a lot of things in the perspective of, you know, why all of a sudden we're getting these balloons, you know, or, or test things. Is it this something that's a low tech way, so to speak, to um, kind of, you know, test defenses, you know, like uh, let's see how our radar works, you know, Hey, we caught this balloon, but didn't catch that balloon. Maybe there's balloons we don't know. Right. Or, and we used to wear balloons, but they, you know, they're more like objects or, you know, unidentified flying objects in that sense. So they might, people think like they're a balloon, right? You know, yeah. they could be actually more than just a balloon. Okay. They're actually kind of technologically, if you had balloons like this at a birthday party, the NSA would come talk to you. Okay. I mean, these are really nice balloons, right? Yeah. We're using that term, but that's, it's the only thing that people can visualize, but it would be, it would be a lot more developed. So what are they using them for? I, you know, that's basically the question, you know, what, what's going on? Well, if you want to test people's defenses, that might be, that could be a plausible argument uh, that, you know, Hey, we're going to release 10 of these balloons and we're going to see who, what they catch. And, you know, and we're going to put different types of coding on this balloon and that balloon. And maybe they don't catch that one in this one, or maybe it took them longer to figure this out versus that. It's a, it could be a good way of probing things. You know, that is a legitimate uh, discussion and, 
And then the question is, is like now they, they what did I say? I saw someone write. They said uh, that they this is a way they could deploy hypersonic missiles. Well, I'm here to tell you, I mean, that's all cool. But if they're going to write, if they're going to float a missile system and attack someone like the, the United States, the a balloon ain't going to isn't what's going to matter. Right. They're, they got the they got the silos. They got the the naval and they got um, aircraft. Right. And yeah. that, that balloons isn't going to be what gets in there. Right. But now if they could put balloons over the United States and they're not and they're go undetected, now all of a sudden we got a bigger issue, right? And and that's and that's might be a way of testing materials and um and 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 trying to see how good our radars and our systems are. And that could be a legitimate concern and comment. But but having said that, you know, I don't know if there's enough data to say, well, maybe these are just weather balloons that got off track. You know, I mean, you know, that's, you know, there are things called wind currents or what do they call those? The, uh, the big patterns, you know, and, uh, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, prevailing winds and, you know, th- those things happen. Right. So that's where the intelligence people are like, okay, we got heightened issues and maybe they're testing things to see our responses. I'll tell you another one. You could waste people's money too and resources. We're going to go send a $22 million jet up in the air and burn how much gas and missile? Like, what would they say? $400,000 missile? Mm-hmm. I mean, just to knock down a, a, a balloon or, if you will, a dev- uh, an object, that's that's a lot of money. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And when a country's $30 trillion in debt and you keep getting them to do that, 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 that adds up. That's a lot of scholarships. That's a lot of health care. It is. <laughs> so, pay, pay for my tuition. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, you know, you got to look at that as, you know, cost uh, cost them a little bit of money, deploys the resources, lets you know, like, why did they deploy those planes from that area versus that area? It can give you insight into the strategy of something like, you know, like, what are these generals thinking? What's the admirals thinking? What resource resources did they deploy and where from? I mean, so it can actually give you, you know, look, I tell people this. <laughs> that that balloon is not doing anything more than the satellites parked over North America. Okay. And and those satellites over North America give so much more detail than a balloon. It's just that's just facts of life. Okay. And and people really don't understand these satellites, you know, if they can I always say it this way, and I'm not being rude, if they can see into galaxies thousands and thousands and millions of miles away, right? And they can see a star farting or burping. Then when they flip it, think about what they're seeing. And they can see you read a book. If you took a book out on your back porch, they can read that book with you. That's what they're seeing. So they know not only where you're at, they can probably take your blood pressure. No, I'm joking. But they can see that you're alive. Heat heat sensors. Some people argue blood pressure and vital signs. But they can see basically not inside the house, but what's inside the house. They can see the structures, the heat, you know, living beings. It's a big deal, right? So don't worry about a balloon. Worry about the satellites that no one seems to want to talk about, right? That's what, but what, but we do it to the other side too. So in some ways it kind of keeps balance, right? It can, yeah, you know, yeah. everyone's kind of watching everybody and those satellites really pay off. Like in Russia, we can kind of see like what they're moving, when they're moving and all that. It makes it very hard to sneak up on the Ukraine when we have these great satellites and coupled with signal intelligence, coupled with uh, HumeNet, you know, human intelligence. And when you add all those things up, that's why Russia is really struggling. And you throw the technology in there and they're also... One could argue Chicom is testing the resolve. Like, well, is the United States willing, Europe willing to do something with Ukraine? 
And if they don't, they have a tepid response. They might think the same thing over in, like, say, of Taiwan, Hong Kong, Japan, Asia. They could have a similar, like, well, they don't have the resolve to go to war. And they don't have a resolve to defend it, anything. So that could be another testing strategy as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of things. I, it could show these balloons, not necessarily just like we've seen the news and media. I mean, they're taking pictures of like army bases. I think there's more to it than just that. Like you said, where did where did the planes like deploy from to go shoot down these balloons? What are they taking pictures of? I mean, there's there's so many things that they can do. But from a Heritage Foundation article, it says that during 9-11, where this is when you were in the special, when you were a special agent, during 9-11, a lot of Americans believed that the United States was protected. It was impossible to have foreign adversaries come over domestically and cause harm to the homeland. But after 9-11, there's a lot of things that happened, such as Department of Homeland Security, NORTHCOM. It, it, was, all, it was all designed to help aid and protect the American people domestically. But with China doing these balloons, it was a foreign adversary property that came over the United States. And this is, I mean, this is one of the first time that was broadcast in the media of a foreign adversary's property coming over the United States. Now, I kind of have three questions kind of with this. So one, is this like the first time that a foreign adversary's property has came over the United States since 9-11? Or do you think balloons has came over a multitude of times? Also, with these balloons, what does this show in America? Does it does this show that our domestic homeland is kind of weakened in the sense that, hey, we cannot protect our homeland that well because these balloons were came over. A simple balloon came undetected. Or is it or does this mean simply that, oh, it's a balloon and we didn't think much of it to like take it down at the very beginning? I would say from the first part, it's just the first time that we've had something come over like a foreign asset of some sort. Mm-hmm. And I would say, well, we'll know. I yeah. mean, even World War II, we had submarines from the Nazis or Nazis, depending how you want to say that. And, um, you know, they they were in some of our waters and things like that. Right. So, you know, th- these this is not the first time uh, we have foreign we have spies over here. I, I don't know if that's a secret to people, but there are spies from even our allies or I mean, our allies have spies over here so that that should not be a secret so i would worry about those people because they get into the the vaults and they get the secrets and they pass them along that's how russia always seemed to have a lower version of what we had like space shuttles and missile systems and tanks they always had a version of it but it was always lower it wasn't as good because they can produce it right but they could get the the, the specs off of it the specifications so this isn't i mean i would worry more about spies than balloons you know and um and those are those are uh, so it's not the first time it won't be the last uh homeland security wise you know you can only you can i would not i'm not here to say that should biden the presidency and the military taking quicker action i i can't answer that cuz there might be a lot of sub levels like hey we want to see like hey they're sending that over and we want them to believe that we didn't notice it and we want them to see certain reactions and so you get into this duplicity like if you go right at it and you're always direct, sometimes you want to be indirect. Sometimes you want to be uh, deceptive, right? So that could be our response. Our response might have been, hey, let's just float this thing and see how it goes and let them believe they're getting these balloons through our defense shields and we're struggling with them. And, you know, that could be an honest, you know, uh, uh, what do you call it? False flags or, you know, like fake news and all that. Uh, it also 
might give the tricom a different way of looking at it right so so there's a lot of sub levels on that and but i would argue that the belief of foreign invasion really deals with more ground invasion right it, it doesn't it's not about if a missile came over or uh say a plane flies over um, it's more about the idea of foreign army coming in, right? I mean, when was the last time the United States was invaded? And I think there was, what was it? What was, uh, when was that? What, I, I think someone made the argument during the Mexican-American War. But, oh, uh, that one, yeah. yeah like I mean, 1848? 18, well, Mexican, yeah, 18, you got 1848. Yeah, around there. Yeah. So you got all these little tiny things, right? Uh, we were invaded by the British. I mean, you know, so that was, that's legit, right? I mean, they took the capital and burned it, right? So, but when have we really seen a, a foreign power come over here and do that, right? So that's, that's what more people think about with foreign invasion and, you know, stuff. They don't think about balloons and maybe a plane or something, you know? So, and then... The last part you're dealing with. Um... Well, the last part is just simply just kind of like one thing is like I said, does it demonstrate weakness in our defense system? The weakness. It, again, I go back to the whole thing. If any country can protect itself, the United States. And you got to remember, the United States is a big place. A lot of people, they really don't appreciate how big it is. And if you ever have a need to figure out how big America is, drive from wherever you are. And drive across the midlands of America, okay, and and it, or go fly a low level plane, right? I mean, like on a like a smaller plane or something, or and you'll find out how big America is. Like we we often see things from the perspective why well, I live in a subdivision, so everything has to be full like this. I go to a town and there's a lot of people in it. New York City is a big place, but if you go look at New York State, there's a lot more empty places than there are full places, okay? That I mean, a lot of people don't realize that. So this, this is a big place to protect, right? And you can't protect everything. I mean, you know, if you someone wanted to go fly a little plane across America, they probably could get away with it in a lot of ways because radar is better in some areas and not so good in others, okay? And it doesn't mean that there's a, a massive threat. I mean, a threat to me would be like, hey, we're not controlling the southern border and a lot of people are coming over. Now, I'm not saying they're bad people and I'm not getting in the politics of it. I'm saying that there are people who are criminals or terrorists coming across the border. If you don't believe that, then you're just being silly. OK, and that's all I can say. It's just silly. Um, so that would be a true. Is that a security issue? That's a That's a real security issue. A couple, you know, balloons or a couple of little planes or little things or satellites over us. You know, those aren't real. I wouldn't say those are true tests of homeland security. I wouldn't say that it is a uh, significant threat, but I do believe to an extent that, you know, this is something that we should be concerned concerned with. But like what you said, I mean, 1812, 1848, when the Mexican-American War and then the War of 1812, that was the last true time America has been like tested with people coming over to America and invading. And I personally do not believe like anytime soon, whether it's Russia, China or like Mexico or Canada, I don't feel like anybody's going to come to America and try to invade us anytime soon. And if they did, I think it'll be a big mistake. Well, the argument, the argument is America, and, my, and this is my opinion, and I believe this, is that it will never be defeated externally. It will it will defeat itself if it's going to fail. Mm -hmm. And that will go back to regional differences. Uh, in, the, in the old day, it was the South, North, West, all that, right? Today, it yeah. will be groups of people and isms and ideology. And that's what will tear things apart. And so we have to have people bring people together and refocus on what being an American is about. Because that's if we're not teaching people to love the country, doesn't mean you have to say it's perfect. Doesn't mean you can't say it can't get better. But you have to love the country at the end of the day. This is a great place, and 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 it's a, and the greatest country in the world. It's a great system, 
and you can tell how we've developed but that's where the real threat is is internal like to ourselves we we could be our worst enemies right and uh and that's been i think enough people have said that they believe internal division will cause the faltering if it's going to happen yeah Absolutely. And I still remember last year when we when I, it was about a year ago, ex almost exactly. I had you on the show once again, and you said kind of like the same thing. And it still stuck with me. And I, I still say it to people sometimes. But like you said, you know, one of the big things that I believe is that we need to start stop focusing on these isms and start focusing on American. Like what, what you said, it was I'm a Polish American mm -hmm. or I'm a German American. I'm American with Polish descent is what you said. And then German. I'm American with German descent. And that's what we should focus on. And I truly believe that. I think that was something. Look, you know, I grew up in the 70s when being a Polak was the last thing you wanted to be. OK, I mean, it was Polak jokes. How many Polaks does it take to change a light bulb? And I was like, man, these Polaks are pretty damn dumb. And my dad said, well, you're one of them, you know, and I'm like, oh, OK, well, I don't like that. But you know what? I'm not a bad person because of it. And 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 we kind of I saw it as the humor. Right. And then I learned that then other groups are put in it, you know, fill in the blank, whatever you, group you don't like, fill in the blank. Right. And they and everyone has an issue with the light bulb if you don't like that group. OK. And so at some point we got to get past the isms and it's it's great to be important and feel special. And I mean, that's that's all wonderful. Right. But at some point you just got to say, you know what, you're more than just what you're born into. You know, you, you know, if you're white, black woman, man, trans, gay, straight military not military that not, after a while it's like you can hang your hat on that stuff so much and then at some point merit takes over right uh, people don't like to hear that and they don't like to hear sometimes you just get lucky and sometimes you don't okay i mean it just and no one wants to hear that either and and some people believe it more like they're charmed some people believe they're blessed you know like say god in intervention and you know life's like that okay and, and i think if more people would say hey you know what? My actions speak louder than my isms. You know, it doesn't mean that you can't be liberal or, or conservative or Republican, Democrat. This means just live your best life. Try to do more good than harm. And if you and it doesn't mean that other people are bad people. You know, just because I like X and you like Y doesn't mean that I'm Satan or Stalin or Hitler. OK, it just means that we just have a difference of opinion. Now, are there some things that are really bad? Yes. You know. You can go into a wide number of topics that these are just bad things, you know, like just serial killers. I don't think there's anybody that would say these are great people and they're doing a service to society. Right. Most people say those are bad people. We can try to agree. But there would be people that argue about that. And then they're going to argue that you're a horrible person for judging them, you know, and you didn't think about their childhood and all that. Well, I don't have to think about their childhood. They're serial killers. OK, so we have to sometimes look at things from that perspective is enough with the isms. OK, and that's what kind of tore America apart in the beginning. Right. We were focused on isms based off state. States mm -hmm. were premier. I, I am from Kentucky. That's more important than being an American. Then after the Civil War, it switched where Americanism was more important than state or if I'll make up the word statism. Right. So that that's that shift. Right. And then we got back into the, the the isms right and that's that's where i think people started sh putting themselves before the country and that of course john f kennedy's famous speech right so and that's kind of like history repeats itself to an extent it's not necessarily what yep. you said statism but it's more individualism and people describing themselves and having these characteristics associated with some that they believe wholeheartedly in you know and it's like you said it i, I would i would argue and say that history is kind of repeating itself to an extent but the way to get back on track, the way, and this is what I was telling my parents. I was telling my brother this literally Sunday after church. I, I, 
I know you're not supposed to talk about politics after church with your family, but I was. But I was like, in this pre- next presidential debate, when it comes to 2024 with the Republicans, I, I see, you know, this is me. If I'm a betting man, I believe that Governor DeSantis is going to run. I think it's almost inevitable. Same things with Vice President Mike Pence. I think them two especially, but also like you can look at Nikki Haley. I mean, like her and I feel like Trump, these people in these Republican Party, that is what they're going to go after. Not necessarily to like divide the country, but I feel like that's going to be a heavily debated topic about our moral characteristics and that we have strayed away from these moral characteristics. And that well, we have- you got to look at when people run and I won't get into the politics and yeah. runs and all that. But what I will say is this. I think it's healthy to have multiple people running. It allows people to have a choice and allows them to kind of fine tune who they want. So I don't care who you pick, but on the Republican side, you will find there to be a very large slate of people that are very qualified. Every one of them in their own right could be president. On the Democrat side, you'll have President Biden and maybe an outside contender, but it's not real competition. So there's not going to be a discussion, right? There's not going to be a discussion. His referendum will come in the national election. Yeah. So that's what people need to understand. So when people say, oh, there's so much division and, you know, well, of course, the Democrats have different Democrats running. They have more liberal and less liberal and conservatives. Right. Why is that any different for Republicans? It's not a secret that there's liberal Republicans and moderate Republicans and, you know, more uh, conservative. That's why. why would, you know, So yeah. I get tired of that, too. I mean, that's just a division that's fake. It's a fake division. And it's designed to say, look, there's no unity here. Well, everybody wants to be president. So when you get an opening to run against a very unpopular president, well, everybody that thinks they're qualified is going to run, right? Yeah. I mean, wouldn't you? I mean, this makes sense, right? So then fate comes in, you know, do enough people vote for you, do enough people get, you know, that's when fate, you know, or if you will, good fortune and all that comes in. And maybe you just got right timing, right? You know, who's to say, no one can really predict who's going to win on either side. I can kind of be more sure about Biden, right? I can't really be so sure on the Republican, but that's good. That's healthy debate. And we're going to have people interested to say, hey, that's that's a plan I like. That's an ideology I like. I, I want to do that. And and I can't I'm not saying who it is. I'm just saying that's that's OK, you know, and that's what yeah. we want. Yeah. And I think that's healthy, too. We need like more debate, more deliber- like deliberation. I mean, that's what the Constitution, a lot of things are built upon. But uh, yeah, well, to, to get back yeah, to the know. question. Yeah, no, absolutely. But like, no, I love talking about this. We need to have this a show one day where we talk about. I know you don't want to get too political, but we could just just talk about stuff like this and communism and just talk about policy. I think that'd be a good I mean, episode. Anytime. I got to go down to Naval Station Guantanamo next week, so I'll be out. Oh, wow. I got to go to New York a month after that, and I think Germany's off. I think I got a break, but it's okay. It's it's Guant- all good. Guantanamo, that sounds like I would love to go and visit that place. That just seems so interesting. It is pretty. It's pretty. Uh, we, we do the VA claim, so it's not. Yeah, yeah. But, that, but it's they're good people doing a good mission. So I'll leave it at that. Absolutely. But uh, more to, to, to circle back to the China thing. So I know you said there's a lot of different reasons that these balloons could be like produced why they're coming over to our country. But let's say that these China balloons are simply just for surveillance surveillance. They sent them over not for a test, but simply just for surveillance. Why did they send them over now? And my, this is my question. If Because in the news, everything I was talking about is surveillance. So under my oppression, I, I was like, okay, these balloons are spying on us. But I'm like, why now? Is President Biden building up arms or something? I mean, even today on February 20th, he did a – it wasn't public and until today. He's over with President Zelensky in Ukraine. President Putin – well, Putin is going to give a speech 
almost three days before the anniversary of them invading Ukraine. And there's rumors of them using nuclear weapons. Do you think to an extent that America is building arms up and China wanted to spy on that to an extent? Do you think that's a do you think that's a possibility is what I'm asking? Anything's a possibility, but I'm here to tell you that I, those satellites are so much more advanced than a balloon. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I'm using the term balloon so everyone understands. OK, it's, you know, flying whatever you want to call it object. But I just I'm here to tell you that they got so much better you know, human intelligence coming in and they got so much better satellites and uh, communication signet and all that. This is the least of their problems. If anything, the main thing is, is for the National Security Agency and other alphabet soups is to sit there and say, okay, what what do we think this is going on? Is this just, you know, faulty wind patterns? Is this uh, is this truly a test? You know, maybe it's a distracting thing. It's not like Soviet Russia did that all the time. They would do fence or feints, if you will, where they would go off and do false flags. And, you know, they call them false flags. Today. Back then, they didn't really call them that. But, you know, basically, let's go let's go do something stupid over here or something that doesn't make sense. Make everyone waste their resources trying to figure it out. And we'll go do something else over here. Yeah. So it's it's like a magic trick, right? So is it a magic trick? Is it truly that they're so desperate that their satellites aren't working the way they want and all their spies aren't working and all their signets not working? Well, I don't believe that, right? I mean, what, they all disappear and it's all faltering, so they had to go to balloons? I, yeah. You know, if they're really, if they're depending on surveillance from balloons, then they got a real problem. And I just, I don't think it's there. I, I just don't think it's there. But And if it is all that and they're doing this to, their, their last resort is doing to balloons. I mean, we shouldn't be that much of a threat like we shouldn't be that concerned to, if it comes down to that extent really i think you just you 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 have to make a policy and I, what i'm hoping and i i believe this is that even president biden and the national security team and military are coming up with plans right they hey how long do we let these balloons go because we don't want to let them know all of our assets and responses right yeah you know do we really know they used a missile to take it down or did they use the cannons on the uh, fighter planes or and, and and did they recover it to kind of see what's going on or not? You know, I mean, that is a big, you know, what if they what if they said, hey, you know, we're just testing and they could drop like a nuclear device, you know, because that's the hypersonic missile theory. Um, you know, that that's something you got to be concerned about, because if you sit there and say, well, this, this is just so low tech, it's just not a big deal. Well, I'm here to tell you, big armies and advanced armies have been beaten by low tech multiple times. Right. So. So we have to sit there and look at it. And there's a plan in place. I want people to know. I mean, don't put the politics of the presidency because over the NSA professionalism. These people, they do this all day. They, Yeah, there's some isms that get in there, but they're really dedicated. They have one ism. It's called protect America, right? It's Americanism. And so they do have a very strong focus. And and that's and they have to be right every day. Yeah. One, one mistake, you got 9-11, right? So. And I was telling my brother kind of to this extent and stuff, I kind of took like your advice a little bit. I remember in our last podcast, you always said when you were in the agency, the, the rule was kind of like three, if there was three coincidences then you would do something, but you, under your thing, you said, if you see it twice, I, you don't believe in. I'm a big two fan. Yeah. yeah. I'm a big two fan. Yeah. That, that, that's what I tell my brother. I was like, if there's, it, I, there's people that would wait to throw it. I said, but if it happens, you know, two times I said, yeah, it's kind of like actions on and stuff like that. But, Let's be honest kind of here. Like President Biden said this. He said that the China and the U.S. relationships were not damaged when it came to like these uh, balloons coming over, when it's talking about their foreign policy, that, that their relationship was not damaged. But what you're saying and kind of what everyone kind of knows is that the politics aspect from the White House, Capitol Hill and stuff, 
it's different when it comes to like the Pentagon defense and intelligence. These people are trained. This is their livelihood where like the politics aspects of it. They may say one thing, but mean the other. So let's say it did not damage the United States and China's foreign relations policy wise, foreign policy wise. Do you think to an extent these balloons coming over did damage to an extent the defense and intelligence communities like standpoint? Do you think that, okay, we're going to bump up our security and listen a little more. Do you think to an extent it did damage their relationship a little bit with China? You're talking about the, 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 the agencies and the military yeah, the agencies. Or the politics, the agencies, not, not so, well, not, not so much politics. They don't really have a relationship, right? Cause they're, yeah. they're either behind the scenes or they do the work. They're not designed to go have relationships, right? Mm-hmm. Now they may work with people, but that's not, that, that's neither here nor there for the most part. But I'm, what I would suggest to you is Biden talks about this stuff. Did it damage things politically? Probably. I mean, I, I mean, that's that's debatable and that can go on all day. Uh, it didn't help things. I mean, you know, I mean, obviously there's some, you know, conflicts. Right. Um, but that's something for politicians and statesmen to have meetings and understand. Say, hey, why don't you explain this to us? And then they you know, they have those debates. They have summits and all that. And maybe that's what China wants. Tricom wants to bring people to the table. They want to have maybe a discussion. Maybe they want to re-engage them. It's not like you see meetings with Tricom all the time. You don't see the president and their uh, their uh, first secretary, if you will, the the leader. You know, you don't yeah. see them coming together having all these meetings, right? So maybe that's what they're doing. They're trying to re-engage conversation. When it comes to uh, agency stuff and all that, obviously more resources are put towards it, and there's they're they're putting plans together both militarily and agency wise, and I mean all this stuff is going on. I mean they already have some plans in place. They have the UFO plans, and they have the you know identified object plans, and they have you know they know where their resources are, and they might have to reallocate some here and there. So all that stuff's going on, and uh, but that that's kind of where that's at on that. Yeah. And I know you're really busy. I know you got a lot to do. And I just want to thank you so much for coming on today. But this is kind of my last question I have here. But, you know, with future outlook, I mean, there's a lot of things you can do from a defense and intelligence community and also future outlooks from a policy and like politics side of it when it comes to Capitol Hill and these senators and representatives. But what does this mean with these balloons, with Russia going on with Ukraine, president meeting with uh, President Zelensky? What does this all all mean and how would this affect the intelligence and defense community. Does the president really make decisions and then the defense intelligence community react to the president or does the president kind of make decisions, you know, kind of statewide and like, you know, have a look on it. But the defense always has ine- has a uh, inevitable go that, hey, this is our goal. We're going to do it. And like, like, let's say the president's like, we're going to embargo or do something with Russia. Does the intelligence community kind of switch their perspective and kind of go with what the president says? Or does it always have kind of a plan of what it's sticking to? Well, there's several moving questions here. One yeah. I would say is one of the policies that America needs to really understand or at least pursue is um, we have a very strong trading and economic interaction with Tricon. And I would always say you leave the dance with the one you went with, right? And And if you forget that, and people do all the time, sometimes they say, oh, well, I'm so powerful and rich but i they forget how they got there and then they break that relationship and then they figure out oh i wasn't as stout as i thought i was or i i didn't have that power i thought i did or the money and chai comes in that situation the day they decide to go against america like in the sense of like fighting and war and interaction that that will be a day that they'll figure out real quick that they depend on us a lot 
Now, will we be damaged economically? Sure, because, but America has a very long history of resiliency, right? We, we can start Absolutely. factories up. We can, uh, we've, we've recovered from wars and we we do a great job. Like when, once we galvanize, Americans are very hard to beat. Okay. And history shows that. Chicom does not have that history. They have, you know, they just don't have it, right? Communist systems in general do not have that history. I would use multiple communist systems to show that. Like, for example, when Soviet Russia was out there, uh, they thought they were going to do certain things and you saw where that went. Okay, yeah. they tried to. They got so bad they tried to under Gorbachev, who's one of my favorite communists because he destroyed their system. Even though he if, thought if he had a pick, a favorite communist. Well, my favorite communist was Stalin because he took care of so many communists. Okay, yeah. And so he's one of my favorites. But um, but I'm talking about Soviet communists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But having said that, so they that would be an example where Chicom policies I think should really focus on. Hey, we, Nixon got this right because he opened it up. And with the uh, the whole trip to China and all that. So the idea is let them re remind them, hey, this is an economic issue for you all. And the minute they want to cut that flow off, now it's a big problem, right? Because American can go back and say, fine, we'll just go, go, go do other trading partners. And while we'll have repercussions and there will be maybe a recession, we'll get over it quicker. But also, too, uh, we just cancel the debt that you have. And, and that they just... That's all they got to do is say debt's gone and that's it. How are they going to get the money? Mm -hmm. So they have an incentive as well, right? So there's a lot of, it would be a big day with a big decision before Chicom decides to break that relationship because who are they going to, who, who, what other market will buy their stuff on that yeah. level? So that's the major, that's where I would say there's more stability than people think because once they, once they pick that route, it's over. Like, I mean, that, that's it. Okay. And America will find new partners, South America, Africa, Europe, whatever they have to do, or we'll just do it internally. So, so there's a lot of that going on. And then looking at the, uh, I'd say the long-term prospects of everything, uh, political scientists, again, are very bad at predicting a lot of things. Okay. And, and they like to pretend, but they don't, they don't do, have the best track record. So my argument would be, because of this stability with economics and the relationship and the debt, there's a lot of incentive for the communists to work. Communist capitalism, right? So this is really good stuff for them. And I, I can't see that changing. I don't see what would be so important for them to change that, right? Because again, they play the long game. And so then you get into your question about the presidency. There, There's two, there's multiple levels on this one is there are, there are agency people, then there's public officials. Okay. So you got to kind of like, so you have someone who's confirmed by the Senate and they may be the director of whatever, or, or the head of it. Right. Uh, and those, and those people are very important people and they, they dictate resources and they allocate, you know, and they set visions and those, those people do move things where the, where the president wants them with a flavor of what they want with the needs of the country. So there's kind of like this hodgepodge of things, right? Mm -hmm. And then uh, the military people, same way. They say, here's your budget. These are our priorities. Like Reagan, for example, shifted priorities to certain systems. And, and, and for a while, Star Wars was a thing. And, you know, so there are ways to present influences spending, how they influence deployment of troops, how they allocate, you know, that, 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 that happens. Now, whether you call them deep state or i mean everyone's got a like a spook term or whatever they want to call it right um x-file stuff you know um there there are agency people that are they're going to outlive the presidency 
presidents have a lot of power. I just talked about this the other day, four to eight years, but it's temporary. They're just a temporary resident of the White House. Agency people tend to be long, long term, right? I mean, like they can go 40, 50, 60 years, you know, I mean, not maybe it's not we it's not like you can go say hey let's do an hr analysis and see how long all these special agents and secret yeah. agents and yeah you can't do that right yeah, yeah. never will do that okay because they're paid different ways and money's hidden different places and so it's very hard to really get a firm understanding how big all this is but we do know that is limited in some respects right and the sense that uh, satellites can only see so much so long and, and special agents can only do so much so long, right? Because it's a big country, big world. A lot of people don't understand. They see it from a human perspective, like everything's about me. Everyone cares what I think. That's not true. Okay. And, and I've had to tell people as a special agent, like no one cares. Like no one cares what you're talking about, right? I don't even know who you are. I just don't even know because you did something stupid and someone told me. Okay. Beyond that, I could care less about your little life. Right. And I have a little life too. I'm not being ugly. I'm just telling you, really, most people don't care what I think either. Here's an idea. Yeah. 99.9% of the world's billions of people don't even know who you are. Okay. I don't even care if you're famous. They don't even know who you are. Okay. So that's what people don't understand. So when it comes to the agency people, they're immune in a lot of ways, right? They, they really could care less what goes on day to day. They're looking at the long game, right? They're looking at power and the use of power and what their goals are. Every agency person is different. They have different goals and different perspectives and different, you know, uh, fields and areas. And so they have missions, if you will. So they're going to be around for a while. And, and while they're, respectful they're not really they really don't care what goes on with the presidency because their power kind of transcends that right yeah and it doesn't mean it's better right it's actually cool in some ways but not so cool in others like they can't go bragging like well yeah today i did blah 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 right it's it's a it's a secret game right so so while you have all that power and you can exert it and it's raw power and it's real power and it's very long-term power it's very quiet power right Whereas the presidency is temporary, uh, it's very loud, everyone sees it, everyone hears it. But at the end of the day, you know, how much can a president in four years really get done, right? Exactly. So, you know, Biden, that's the beauty of our system, though, right? People don't understand is that our system is designed not to change that way, right? Like the British can change their system in parliament, like snap of a finger. We can't. And we and people should really appreciate that more. They go, no, I want my social agenda pushed. I want my ism pushed. No, you really don't, because there's going to be someday the opposite ism happens, right? Yeah, and you're not have that happening so quick, right? So that our system is really designed pretty well. You got some long-term people that do certain things a certain way, and short-term tenants representatives are the shortest. That's two years. I mean, I mean, what can a representative really do in two years, right? I mean, what can a senator do in six? You know, so, you know, you got to put that in perspective. But then again, a counterintelligence guy of 40 years, what did he really get done? He's not going to change national politics, really. I mean, that would be rare, but he might do a lot of internal stuff and protect things. And he has to go to his deathbed saying, you know what, I got I did the following things very well. And I got this many communists or whatever my job was and blah, blah, blah. And they have to be okay with that because no one's going to know really. Right. Okay. And even if they did, how many people really going to read the book? Right. I mean, so remember, there's about 10 to 12 billion people and about 11.8 billion of them don't know who you are and never will. And that's okay. 
Okay, yeah. that, that's perfectly fine. Okay, yeah. So. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I, I agree with a lot of those foreign policy aspects that you were saying and what we need to do as a country and what you were saying right there about how the president, it, it is very loud. It's in the public eye. But at the end of the day, a lot of these decisions about these like military uh, protecting from the communists, protecting from other people. I mean, it's, it's those people who are in there for 40, 50 years making these decisions to help protect the American people. But Dr. Pete, I just want to thank you so much for coming on today. It means a lot to talk about these China's balloon, this current event that's been happening this past couple of weeks. I know you're very busy and you have a lot of things going on. So just thank you so much on behalf of Murray State and me for coming on today. Well, I appreciate you having me on and I appreciate being your quasi uh, government official expert or whatever I'm designated. I have to get a cool title. I don't know. I'm going to I'm going to think of something. I'm going to think of something. I'm going to say it. I'm going to start editing in there. It's going to be like the foreign foreign affairs expert. I'm going I'm to make up. Something. We'll think of something. I got to get some. I mean, cause I, I, I enjoy talking here and I enjoy what you're doing and uh, yeah, we'll just keep doing it. You just tell me if there's a topic, if I can pop on, I'll do it as fast as I can. So absolutely. I'm telling you, Dr. Pete, next time we're going to talk about communism. We're going to talk about isms and all that. We're going to get, yeah, we're going to get yeah. deep into it. Remember two different things. Isms a whole nother conversation. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, two episodes. It's own deal. Cause that could be a four part series easy. Right. Yeah. So we got to kind of pace ourselves and narrow it down a little bit. So you just tell me when you're ready. I'll be out of pocket to the end of the, basically next month, I'll be starting to be able to wake up a little bit, but let me know how I can help and how we can talk. I do appreciate everything you're doing. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Dr. Pete. It means a lot. And you have a good rest of your day. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you. See you. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, that concludes today's episode of The Vote Podcast. Like always, I always want to thank Dr. Pete for coming on The Vote Podcast. It means so much to me, but also to Murray State University. So Dr. Pete, thank you so much for coming on today. Dr. Pete here on the Vote Podcast is our foreign policy, domestics, defense, and intelligence analyst. And I'm so grateful and I appreciate his time and always being willing to come on the Vote Podcast to talk about these current events and all these things that are happening in the intelligence and defense communities. Ladies and gentlemen, if you did like today's episode, I would highly appreciate it if you like, shared, and comment on this video. And please share it with your friends and stuff so we can grow this podcast and expand to new listeners. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Luke Wyatt, the host of The Vote Podcast. You stay safe out there. May God bless and may God protect our troops. And we'll see you next time.